0: Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to the NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Hope it's payday for you today. For most of you by-week wage earners, it should be payday today. So uh, hopefully you have uh, the funds to get out and go do something fun this weekend. We are almost to football season officially. Next weekend we have high school football. The next Thursday, we have junior college football, and then we have uh, Mississippi State football. It's a couple weeks away now. Almost, almost to the end of the drought. And, you know, I don't really enjoy preseason NFL football, you know, because the notables don't play. Sometimes it's good to see, like, if you've got a rooting interest, you know, with some of our young guys, it's fun to watch the Raiders and see Jonathan Abram fly around, that sort of stuff. but all that does is really just kind of wet the appetite. you know what I'm saying? It's like it does, it's not satisfying to watch preseason football. I guess the first couple ball games you're kind of like, oh, welcome home, old friend. You know but the games don't don't count in the win loss record. and the effort is not always there. you know, of course, like again for young guys trying to make a roster. Uh, it's interesting to keep up with all of that. Like Hard Knocks has been so much fun to watch because Jonathan Abram has been, you know, such a star uh, in that uh, performance there, and, and we 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 expected that. You know, I mean, Hard Knocks has it's been kind of an annual tradition, kind of a ride of summer that every year you you watch that, and and it was great when the was with, with the Ravens. Even though I'm a Steelers fan, it was still kind of interesting to see Shannon Sharp and those guys, and uh, you know, ha- have an opportunity to to kind of showcase their program. But the main thing is kind of see what goes on behind the scenes. That's really fun. And to see Jonathan Abram be so, you know, prominently featured in the program makes all of us proud because we know the kind of person and player Jonathan Abram is. And so it's good to see good people have good things happen to him, to them. And uh, so it's a different deal, though, because uh, pretty soon they'll be having some cuts and then we'll uh, we'll be watching some football. And listen, it's going to be miserable next weekend. High school football fans, go ahead and prepare. We're kind of figuring out our schedule, and we'll get out and go see some Mississippi State commitments play. We'll have some videos that'll be exclusive to jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate of 247 Sports Network. We'll uh, we'll get that out to you. Let you guys check it out. And then also of note, uh, we'll be covering some junior college games. And so we're going to do our best to kind of keep you up to date on what's going on with those guys, not just from a recruiting standpoint. Because one of the things that I decided when I first got into recruiting, covering recruiting, you know, goodness, what is it, 13, 14 years ago now, is uh, I didn't want you to take my word for it. You know, I wanted my word to mean something, but at the same time, too, we're going to go out and get video, we're going to get pictures, and we're going to let you guys see for yourselves. Because, you know, when I, in the infancy of the industry, a lot of people, you know, the, the people think it's bad now, but back in those days, you know, guys were good because somebody said they were. And there was no way to really demonstrate that. You know, nowadays with the huddle and that sort of stuff, you can see some of that, but a lot of that is still kind of carefully packaged. But um, we'll have some things, and uh, to, to let Mississippi State fans kind of get to know those guys better—not just, you know, hey, th- this is who all who all recruited him, but you—you know, you can see this is what you can expect when he gets to Mississippi State. And uh, that's a fun part of this deal for us too—is to kind of go out and have a chance to see the future Bulldogs in action. And so we'll look forward to that and uh, be announcing some of that on the show as we do it. And, um, again, going to get out and go see as many of those guys as we possibly can this year. The good thing about having the army of folks we do over Gene's page is that, uh, you know, Paul and Robbie both are on the prep beat. And so primarily in the Golden Triangle, they're, they're going to cover a lot of those guys. And I'll get out and get video and pictures from time to time. But I'll be a little more mobile and uh, get out and go see some of these guys that, that you know outside of our Golden Triangle coverage area so we'll get out there and go see those guys uh i know the very first junior college week i'm going to see uh Holmes community college play at colin and why else would you not go to that you get commitments on both sides from mississippi state and uh colin expected to be a really really strong team in the south this year and uh you know we'd like to see guys kind of get into a mid-season form but the sooner we can get down there and see those guys and uh, get some good films the sooner we can get some of those guys reevaluated and and we'll monitor their progress throughout the year. But uh, that's the fun part for us. And one of the things that I'll share with you about you know, covering sports, it's one of the things, and David Brandt, a great friend of the program and great friend of uh, the Mississippi State media, former Ole Miss beat writer, not from Mississippi. You know, so it's like he he doesn't have a rooting interest in the ballgame. And David Brandt, probably the most objective uh, Mississippi State media member, has left us now for, for Phoenix, will be covering the professional sports there in, uh, in Phoenix, the Suns, the Cardinals and, uh, the diamondbacks. I think he's got a, uh, a, a coworker that will cover the, uh, the coyotes and that sort of stuff. But, um, Dave is leaving us. But one of the things that uh, Dave used to always kind of share with us, you know, is why is all there, there's all this anger and acrimony, you know, when the sports media, uh, beat, you know, what are we all so angry about? We get to cover football, and I never take that for granted. But um, if you love the work, it doesn't really feel like work. Some days, you know, there's there's a there's a grind to it. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of deadlines that sort of stuff. But man, when you pack the car and you get on the road and you say, you know what, I'm going to go watch this kid play and uh, have a chance to have some exclusive video to bring back to the subscribership and the membership, and say, you know what, here's the kid that's going to be played at Mississippi State in the future, and here's what I like about him, and here's what you should like about him. Uh, those are good days. Those are good days. You get on back and get that stuff done, and then next thing you know, we're at a college football game. And, and there's in my mind, there's nothing that compares to the pageantry of college football. You know, you've got the bands. You've got the dog walk. You've got tailgating. There's just there's just nothing that compares to that. And then there's the game in and of itself. And uh, it's, it, we have been very blessed the last couple of years at Mississippi State on all fields of play. And to have that elongated baseball season, we've gone to Omaha back-to-back years, it's kind of shortened those dog days of summer. And I won't say that football snuck up on us a little bit, but it doesn't feel like we've had to suffer quite as long. But uh, the short or long suffering is about to end. We're going to have a chance to watch some football, and it's going to count. I want to thank our good friends, Stan, Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, who kind of runs the show downstairs there at Campus Bookmark. You, you can go outfit your family and the latest maroon and white fashions, we encourage you to do so. Go by and visit them. Go ahead and uh, peruse their fine selections there, and uh, get everybody in the family some new maroon and white gear. And if you can't make it to town between now and game day, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase it pays. BSR is your promo code, and that stands for beautiful Steve Robertson and you know it's true beautiful Steve Robertson and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50 any order less than 50 bucks absolutely incomplete so I wanted to get into a couple things because probably one of the most common questions that we get this time of year is hey Steve Paul whoever who are some of the freshmen that you think might contribute this year and so now that we have had a chance to see a couple of weeks of practice. And let me back up just a second to so you guys know we we have not been in practice since Tuesday. You know, we had the hump day edition of the yard. and I talked about a couple of things and and uh, mentioned some unpleasant business. And I'll give you a little bit of an update on that before we leave today. But uh, there was not a practice session on Wednesday. Joe Moorehead and they let us know early in the day. Thankfully, you know, kind of under the uh, the understanding we would not publicize it, but there would be no media session on Wednesday or any uh football practice uh, observation periods because they were giving the team a surprise day off. And you remember a while back they uh they took the players to the water park and had a great time. That was last year. This year they uh they go bowling and I think some of the guys went to a movie but they had a much needed day off. And those things are important. Those are good morale building type exercises and kind of build some esprit de corps. Uh, But all that being said, there was not a practice session on Wednesday, and then Thursday's practice session was closed. So we have not had any interaction with the coaches or players since Tuesday. Now, that was not originally scheduled to be that way. I don't know when Joe elected to give them the day off, but it's a great thing to do that. And then they elected yesterday morning to to close practice uh, on Thursday. I hope we get in there today. And just as I say that, we get notification that practice will be closed tonight. So our availability on Saturday remains on schedule. After the scrimmage tomorrow night, we'll have the opportunity to meet with Coach Joe Moorhead, uh, Coach Bob Shoup, and I believe Tony Hughes is also going to be available. And so he's the associate head coach. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll meet with him. And uh, so scrimmage is closed. It's the second scrimmage of the season. But... Um, That will be something that uh, we'll be discussing with Joe Moorhead is, you know, how did this guy look and whatever, and where are we in the quarterback battle? And so we will have some comments from the coaching staff post-Saturday. Now, we will have that for you on Gene's page Saturday night. We won't hold it till Sunday. So if you're one of those folks that are going to be like, hey, I can't wait till tomorrow to find out what happened or what Joe's thoughts were about the quarterbacks, we're going to have that for you Saturday night. So go ahead and be prepared for that. We won't hold it. We'll go ahead and do him and Bob Shoop, and I'm sure we'll uh maybe we may save Coach Hughes for Sunday, but we will have more head and shoop's comments for you Saturday night over on jeanspage.com. So back to the topic at hand. What young guys do we anticipate playing this year? Now, last Saturday I had a chance to have a one on one interview with Coach Marcus Johnson, Mississippi State's offensive line coach. And I'll share with you there may not be a more entertaining interview on the staff than Marcus. And what I mean, I don't mean like Terrell Buckley is very, very funny. And uh, Tony Hughes, very, very heartfelt. Marcus Johnson is, one, is a really, really straight shooter. And that's not to say the other guys aren't, but he's just one of those people that if you ask him a question, how does so-and-so look, he will simply tell you. You know, he, he won't pull any punches. Now, he's not going to be critical of his kids in the media. But he, he'll tell you, hey, he needs to pick it up a little bit. And it's very refreshing because there's a lot of guys out there that give you some coach speak, and they say, well, you know, oh, he's going to be great. And then you go out to practice, and you see the guy's really, really lagging. And so, um, yeah, so we'll see what happens, uh, you know, with Marcus's group. But he is very optimistic, and I wrote the piece yesterday. It's on Gene's page now for VIP members. And he believes this group has a chance to be really, really good. They have the talent. They have some experience. Now, every single player on your offensive line has SEC starts under their belt. That said, every one of them is starting in a new position this year. Tyree Phillips was the third tackle last year, will be your starting left tackle this year. Michael Story and Darian Parker have both kind of competed for that left guard position. Darian Parker right now is holding that down. Darrell Williams slides over from right guard, to center, Stu Reese from right tackle to right guard. And then Greg Island has is flipped from the left tackle spot to the right tackle spot. So it's about chemistry. And so one of the things that I ask coach is, you know, where does Charles Cross factor into this? He was a five-star prospect, one of the highest rated uh, signees in Mississippi State recruiting history. His words, were he will play. He is going to play. But ideally, they would like to redshirt him. He'll play his four games and then you never know. You never know what's going to happen with uh, the tackle situation. That you know, this this is a line of scrimmage league and guys get beat up from time to time. But we will see Charles Cross play. But ideally what we'd like to do is allow him to kind of get his feet wet, but then preserve four years of eligibility. And that's that's kind of the good part of that new four-year redshirt rule. Is you have the opportunity to play them, get some film, get them some exposure to major college football but you don't burn a year of eligibility with them playing 50 plays you might have a situation where you have an injury and you get you know, i think it makes the game better you know what i'm saying the quality of the college game is better because of the fact that let's say for an example if you have a tackle go down for a couple of weeks you can plug a guy in there and he can play, and then he still has four full years to play after that. I, I think that's better. And instead of having – if you remember when Mississippi State put an egg bowl here a few years ago, we had to take a guy, Justin Malone, and move him out there to left tackle, and he'd never played tackle a day in his life. And so not on a college level anyway. And that's, that's not to be critical of Justin Malone, but had this red shirt rule been in place, we could have plugged another guy in there. Uh, but all that being said, Cross expected to play, also expected to redshirt. That's the plan heading into – the opener, now Nathan Pickering is a guy who will play, and one of the reasons why is because we have a lot of depth concerns at the defensive tackle position. Now Nathan is Nathan has the mass, he just needs a little more muscle. I'll tell you from a physical fitness standpoint, he's to me very reminiscent of Josh Boyd, who came out of Philadelphia high school. You know, Josh was a guy that he had the girth, and uh, would get in there and fight a little bit, but it took him a year or two to kind of get up to SEC strength. I kind of see Nathan in the same vein. Very quick, very athletic guy. But, uh, you know, I don't know that he had maybe the motor that Byron Young had. And uh, I think Byron Young was the best defensive tackle. I think Pickering's right there with him. And I think long term, they'll both probably be, you know, first or second round draft picks if they continue to progress and work hard. But due to the fact that State has some depth concerns at defensive tackle, Pickering's going to play now. Does he play more than the four games? I think that it remains to be seen. But uh, he is a guy that uh, we expect to see on the field without question. DeMonte Russell is another guy that uh, our coaching staff, like Bob Shoup, has specifically mentioned him as a guy that may contribute as a freshman because of the fact he is a rush end. He, is, he could be a guy that would be a third down pass rushing specialist. You put him in the prowler package, let him line up at a seven technique and chase a quarterback. And we have seen him in drills really flash and be explosive in pass rushing drills. Now, you've got some depth at defensive end, but if you begin to kind of look at that group, we're going to be in a similar situation to the end next year where we're going to have some veterans kind of move on. You feel good about Marquis Spencer. You feel good about Kobe Jones. But these younger guys, you, you got to get some of those guys up to speed because they're going to be two deepers next year. Does DeMonte Russell play more than his four games? I think that remains to be seen. But I think a lot of that is going to boil down to how well State can generate a pass rush and if State can stay healthy at the defensive end position. Aaron Odom is a guy that has begun to kind of do some things uh, at times with running second team at defensive end. And so you feel like you're pretty confident. You know, probably Rivers, Kobe Jones, Marquis Spencer, Aaron Odom, those guys you feel good about. Uh, Demonte Russell's is a guy could be a specialist. But, uh, again, four game for sure. Beyond that, we'll see. Another guy that uh, you guys are very familiar with from the Jackson, Mississippi area is Jerry and Jones out of Flowood. Went to Northwest Franklin High School, and uh, we we've been around him a lot. Now he is a guy that's never lacked for confidence. Uh, this other day he passed by and he said, "Hey, you tell everybody I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I'm really happy." And th- those those are things that you, you you're happy to see. You know, you're happy to hear that kind of stuff. Uh, Jerry and has done some good things in practice. Uh, you know, he was a guy that initially signed with Mississippi State as a safety, and there was some talk about him playing wide receiver. He had no designs on playing wide receiver. He, he understands that his future is going to be a defensive back. We had some defections in the, the, the classic corner, so Jerrion rotates down to corner. He has embraced that and is doing really, really well. Now, Jerrion's one of those guys, too, because of the depth of the position, could be the guy that kind of works his way into this thing this year. I think ideally, again, you'd want you'd want to redshirt him. But he is one of those guys that shows up physically a little more game ready than several of the freshmen. He's really embraced the weight room. He also has that same confidence that all the great corners have. You know what I'm saying? There's just some guys out there that just believe, you know what, they're not going to be able to beat me. And if they do beat me, I'm going to get the next one. and has that. Whatever you want to qualify that to be and whatever label you want to place on that, uh, some people say, well, he has it, whatever it is. Well, that's kind of Jerrigan. Jerrigan has that playmaking ability. And, uh, you know, you feel confident what you have right now with Cam Dancer and most Smitherman. But behind them, you got Corey Charles and you got Tyler Williams. And then you you got Jalen Reed and Esaias Ferge that redshirted last year. And to be honest with you, based on the early returns, I think this group at State signed in 2019 with Jerry and Jones and Martin Emerson. You know, I I think they might already, I think State might have already over, you know, recruited over those earlier guys. I think Jalen Reed's put on about 20 pounds, and he looks better. Uh, but when I begin to think about the future, I think Reed's a too deeper. But I think with the length that Martin Emerson and Jerry and Jones have, I could see them being eventually working their way into the starting position. Uh, it's it's interesting, you know, when T-Buck came along here. That was one of the things people talked about. Is you know he was such a great recruiter when he was at Louisville and signed several kids out of Mississippi. Many of them, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, were not very serious about. But it's taken a little while for T-Buck to get his guys. He is beginning to get his guys in there. And I don't know if you've seen this. There's a great piece put out by Hell State today kind of a six-minute feature on the cornerback's room. I encourage you to go watch that. I retweeted it, so if uh, you have trouble finding it, it's good on my timeline. It is there. Very, very impressive. Garrett Schrader. Uh, Joe Moore had mentioned recently that Schrader had done some really good things. And in some, some days when we've been out there, Garrett has been the third quarterback in drills. Now, Joe has told us many times, you know, don't, Read a lot too much into that, you know, because sometimes there's there's a rotation depending on how the drills go, and there, some guys need to work on different things, and so everybody gets some reps, but there may be some guys that are specifically getting some specialized instruction, and so. That said, Jim Moore had called Garrett Schrader out as a uh, mentioned him as a guy when somebody said, "Hey, who were some of the young guys that have kind of flashed for you in practice?" and Garrett was one of the guys. Now, one of the things you guys will remember from last summer's camp pictures is how thin Garrett Schrader was. And you recall that he had a torn labrum, had to have surgery for so He could do no upper body lifting for, for for months there. To look at him now, he does not look like the same person, other than the fact that he's got that big bushy beard. Uh, he He has really, really embraced the weight room. He looks like a different player. Now, Still got some things mechanical he's working on. We're just throwing throwing mechanics. But uh, he has the look of a college quarterback. And you begin to look at his frame. You know, he's a guy that's right at 6'5". And he's added some mass in his upper body. And you begin to think, okay, this is the future of Mississippi State. This is the guy, long term, that we feel like is going to be the starter. Now, Jalen Maiden is still obviously still competing. Uh, Keaton Thompson's still got a couple years left of eligibility, but when you begin to look long-term and you say, okay, this is the first kid that Joe Moore had offered when he got the job, and now he's here, you, can, you begin to kind of realize what Joe saw in him because we're beginning to see it kind of come to fruition. There are some days, though, I'll tell you, he, he's more consistent than other days. There are some days he's been out there and you know, ball placement hadn't been great, and then you come back the next day and it's really good. But you expect that type of inconsistency – with a freshman, and he's not expected to be to really challenged for the job this year, but he will play some. There, There's no question, and hopefully he'll get an opportunity to play in uh, some games early in the year and uh, and have a chance to kind of get his feet wet, and we'll see. But I, I think, you know, he's certainly a guy, you know, barring a couple of injuries, that he is going to be a guy that will redshirt this year. Now, King Ani, uh, he has not even been to practice yet. He showed up on campus. He had a couple of, a couple of things that needed to be cleaned up. Uh, he had an upper body and a lower body, to put it in more head ease. Uh, he had, uh, so he showed up a little bit banged up. And so he will join the roster once we expand. Once, after the first day of school, when, when the roster goes from 105 to 120, that's when he'll come out. But uh, he is certainly a redshirt candidate. They will take their time with him, allow him to fully heal and especially with DeMonte Russell kind of coming on a little bit, there's no need to rush Kingani. Uh You know, 6'4", 230. Uh, he is a guy that we, we have we have high expectations for, but uh, he is still kind of learning the game of football. And so not only will the redshirt year be good for him physically, it'll be good for him from a football IQ standpoint. He'll have a chance to get in there with Deke Adams and watch film and kind of learn from the other guys before he's really thrown out there into the fray. Uh, But also another guy, too, because of his injuries, you know, he hadn't been able to fully embrace the strength and conditioning program. And that'll come uh, a little bit later. So, again, he's a guy, a a bit of a developmental guy. He's got four stars next to his name because he is so explosive and has a great first step. But you need to be patient with him because he's a guy that's kind of gotten by on athleticism and now he's, you know, kind of healing for the first time in his life. And so, again, probably a specialist next year. I don't anticipate him seeing the field this year, and really the same for Brandon Cunningham. I'm a big Brandon Cunningham fan. I think you know, I think he's a guy that goes to media days one day. He is absolutely hilarious, very well spoken, a kid that wants it really, really bad, and uh, you know, he's a guy too. You know, based on the depth on the offensive line, uh, you know he's a guy that probably needs to get ahead academically too. And so that's one of the things that people may forget is that that was the big rumor. You know, all all fall, when some other analysts for other schools were saying, well, they didn't offer him because he had some issues academically. Well, he made it. He made it. But it may be one of those deals, too. And he and I have talked about it. You know, he he said that he has had some conversations with the coaching staff about redshirting this year. Now, I don't think he shows up saying, hey, coach, I want a redshirt. I think they had some discussions with him. But he has embraced the whole idea of, you know what, let l- let me get it this year to kind of get up to speed Academically, let me get in the weight room, and uh, and then we'll see what happens next year. So I don't even know if he plays his four games this year, to be honest. And you begin to say, well, well, why wouldn't he? You know, for some kids, I think removing that that possibility is good for them to kind of get locked in. and Say, you know what, barring an injury, because they're listen, state's got some depth on the on the offensive line. You don't have to rush him out there, because I think deep down he probably is a guard that's played some at tackle. But you don't have to rush him along. But I think him having the opportunity to say, you know, okay, let's, let's remove the possibility of playing this year and give you a chance to kind of take care of things and kind of get settled and acclimated to life in a Southeastern Conference, that may be the way to go. And so if he doesn't play this year, don't be alarmed. Don't think, oh, well, he's not panning out. Because I, I, I really think the conversations that I had with him before he even reported, he was already telling me that he is going to redshirt this year. Uh, and so we'll just kind of see how it all plays out. But I'll tell you, every, every time that I see him on the Mississippi State campus, he has a smile on his face. He's fired up. He's ready to go. Great teammate for sure. Speaking of great teammates, you need to have your team meetings at Bulldog Burger Company. We have been a couple times here in the last 10 days, and I've had the Lauren both times. It's it's tremendous. If you If you haven't been recently, you need to go in there and try this hamburger. It's a great restaurant-quality hamburger. It is basically a bacon cheeseburger plus. Got a piece of fried uh, guacamole on there, and if you don't want that, you don't have to have it. Avocado, pardon me. But if you if you don't want that, you don't have to have that. I like it, but you go in there and you have it. I don't have the onion straws. I'm not a big onion guy. But you go find your own favorites. We one of the things the kids have been big on lately is the uh, the fried pickles with ranch. They kind of like that, but we can't go to Bulldog Burger Company without having the spring rolls. And we never bring those home because they never survive. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you get that doggy bag and you bring stuff home, and and uh, but there's never any fried pickles left for us. We, you know, our, our spring rolls. Pardon me, but uh, you need to go find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company is part of a family of restaurants that have served the Starville area for years and years and years. These are people that are invested in Starville and invested in Mississippi State. Bulldog Burger Company, the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District, within walking distance of the Junction. When you're in town, we encourage you to go by for sure. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Stockville, people go to meet M E A T. Now, looking at junior college transfers, a couple guys here, we get into, you know, Fred Peters was one of those guys we looked at and said, you know what? With Jonathan Abram moving on, Mark McLaurin moving on, you know, we've got some concerns at safety. So you go out and you get a guy like Fred Peters, and then right now, Fred Peters is running second team. And uh, he is a guy more of a a quiet leader. But he is getting up to Mississippi State's expectations. But Bob Shute mentions him as a guy that uh, has a bright future in front of him. You know, you feel really confident with what you have with C.J. Morgan, Jaquarius Landry, and Brian Cole as your three starting safeties. Fred will be in that mix in that second. He'll be in that rotation. And he is a guy that can really run and a guy that can really, really hit. He will play this year, barring something totally unforeseen. Um, very, very talented player out of Jones County Junior College. Uh, another guy too from uh, from right down the road there, uh, related to Jamal Peters, related to Jonathan Abrams. So there really wasn't much of a doubt about him coming to Mississippi State. But uh, he is another guy that we expect big things from. Maybe not so much this year, but certainly before he's done. It. lequinston Sharp was a guy you you recall. State was really on him really hard. Florida got on him in some other schools. He tears his ACL, wouldn't had not commit to Mississippi State. He's good now. But, again, it's one of those situations with State's depth. He could be a guy that is a candidate for a redshirt year to give him a little longer to heal. Now, I'm told he is available to play, but if you begin to look at his situation and think to yourself, okay, Darrell Williams is moving on. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with some other players, but uh, you know, Cole Smith's a guy that we ex- expect to kind of compete. But I think LeQuincy Sharp is a guy that could be in that mix too, as an interior lineman or as a center. And so, we'll see what happens with him. I won't be surprised if he only plays the four games, just because it might be in his best interest, and certainly in the interest of Mississippi State, that to, to not burn a year of eligibility just on a handful of snaps and have him running as a backup. You know, we're we'll, we're gonna play a lot of people on the offensive line. And Sharp will get some of those stats. But uh, thats I think the jury is still out on him. But uh, but he certainly is a guy that we expect to play some. Uh, Colin Duncan is a guy that has really flashed in practice at times. And, and you people forget this. State did not really f- fully press him for December of last year. He was a February signee. And uh, some other people were involved with him late and uh, just really liked it here in Starkville. Said it reminded him a little bit of Montgomery, Alabama. I don't know that I agree, but I'm glad that he feels that way. I'm glad it feels like home to him. But, you know, he's had a couple of interceptions and drills, and uh, he is a guy probably needs a year in the weight room. But I really think Mississippi State struck gold with Colin Duncan. I don't know that he really gets enough credit in the class, you know, because we talk so much about, you know, DeMonte Russell and Nathan Pictorin. You know, we talk about the, the, the defensive front, but Colin has kind of quietly gone about his business. And when you begin to look at the totality of the secondary for the future, and you factor in you know, Martin and J.P. Purvis and those guys, these guys are gonna grow up together. They're going to kind of cut their college teeth together. And they're going to develop as a unit together. And Colin's a big part of that. This is a kid that understands how to elevate. He's a kid that can, that can really run. And uh, looking back in hindsight, you know, we probably should have tried to wrap him up in December. But we didn't, and it worked out for us. And, you know, State had some defections, but you add him later in the process. And to be honest, I I don't see a lot of difference between him and some of those other guys. I I really think State has recruited exceptionally well in the secondary. And I think that's going to be evident over the course of the next couple of years. Javante Payton, we, I talk about him every single day. It doesn't matter if I'm on the radio or on this show or in the media room or at lunch with friends. Javante Payton, to me, is the impact newcomer of this group. Without question. Uh, of, the sign, of the signees, he is a guy that I think really is a difference maker this year. Now, Isaiah Zuber transferred in, obviously. Tommy Stevens transferred in, so we expect big things from them. I don't know that we expected Javante Payton to hit the ground running the way that he has. This kid can really, really play. And I uh, had breakfast this morning with some friends, and uh, Brian Haydad and I were talking about it. It's just like you, you just can't overthrow him. I mean, he's just one of those guys that has incredible body control. He, you know, he'll run the, run the out route, and even if the ball is a little bit high, he can elevate and still finds a way to get a foot inbounds. And I said on Wednesday's show, you know, we could do a lot worse than taking some Ole Miss leftovers. And that's one of the things that the Ole Miss people were so uh, big about when all this stuff began to happen. They said, well, you know, we dropped him. And, and you know what? If that's really true, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Because he is quick twitch and he is a red zone weapon. And uh, we haven't had a guy like him in a while. And so I expect him to have a big year. And people already say, well, is he going to be the top receiver? I don't know that I go that far. But he will be a big piece of things this year. He is a guy, you know, when people think about walking the safeties down in the box, Javante Payton is probably the preventer of that sort of stuff. Kid can really run too. And so you hit a couple passes with him and you keep those safeties, you make them play too high safeties because they're scared of you getting over the top. It's gonna to open up things for Colin Hill. It's gonna open up carries for Colin Hill. Right, because the numbers, the numbers will, will kind of favor that that matchup rather than the quarterback having to keep the football. We went through that here recently. You know, Nick Fitzgerald ran it two hundred eleven times because that it was the right read, but it was because the the defense was kind of dictating terms to us. When you hit a couple of shots down the field to Javante Payton or Osiris Mitchell, all of a sudden you're setting the tone for the ball game, and that's where Javante Payton. I think Javante Payton opens up things for Kyron Hill because of his threat, his big playability, you're not going to be able to just single him up all the time. The safeties aren't just going to be up in run support. They're going to have to be more measured in their activities, and that's where I think Peyton probably makes his biggest impact is all you got to do is hit one or two passes early in a ball game, and all of a sudden the game plan changes. Because last year the book on Mississippi State was make Fitzgerald carry the football. Make him carry it. He'll break one every now and again, but we just kind of keep him corralled down and make them kind of one-dimensional. We'll win the football game. And the elite defenses that we played, that's what they did. Javante Payton makes us a lot more multiple. Simple as that. So, uh, Quentin Tolber. I don't know that we see much from him this year. But that's not to say that he won't be an impact player uh, down the road. I think more of these upperclassmen that have come in, Quentin's done some decent things in practice. But I don't know that he gets us better as a football team this year. I think while he's still learning and kind of working through this, his best football is ahead of him. So, I, you know, again, I think he's probably a four-game guy. Would like to him and Garrett Strader to kind of grow up together as well. That They have been you know, almost the best of friends since they committed to Mississippi State. But we, you know, we cover the receivers regularly. We shoot video of them regularly. You know, and, and he's a guy too. Right now, a little, a little bit behind the other guys, as he should be, as a true freshman. You know, he should be a little bit behind, and so he's still kind of learning. But you can see the potential there. You see that this is a guy that uh, has the ability to develop into a really, really good college receiver. So. Again I don't anticipate him playing more than the four games unless we have an injury, but he will have the opportunity to see the field. I don't, I don't think there's any question. JP Purvis if you were ever going to a special order a high school player to be a safety, you would probably have a picture of JP Purvis kind of as the demo. This is a kid that does not look like a freshman. He looks like a kid that's been in the Mississippi State Strength and Conditioning Program for a handful of years. He will play. I, I don't know how much he plays. But this, in my mind, if J.P. Purvis continues to advance and continues to stay healthy, he is the next great Mississippi State safety. I, I, I really believe that. Now, I know what, what the expectations are this year for Brian Cole, Capri Landrews. C.J. Morgan, and Bob Shoup still believes that Brian Cole is going to play his way into a nice paycheck in the NFL draft. But J.P. Purvis has the ability to be a real thumper on defense, and he also has the foot speed to cover over the top. Now, he might grow into a linebacker position, you know, that, but this is a kid that is huge already. With his length, it is difficult to throw over him, with his foot speed, it is difficult to run away from him. And with his physicality, it is difficult to run through him. And again, this is a kid from Peelahatchee, Mississippi. You know, if you look at some of these guys that we've stolen over the years, guys like Marcus Green from Kemper County and Jamion Lewis from Towertown, you know, a lot of times you have these guys that show up, but they're, they're kind of off the beaten path a little bit. And that's J.P. Purvis. Uh, I, I said last year I thought he was the biggest steal in the state. Now that he is on campus and has been in his strength and condition program for a while, when you guys see him, those of you that come to uh, meet the Bulldogs Day there on the 24th, I guess next Saturday, when you have an opportunity to come to that and you see this kid, you're not gonna you're not gonna believe it. You're gonna, this this guy's a freshman. Yeah, he's a freshman, and the good thing is is we're gonna have him for probably four to five years. Kid can really play. And he's, and he's just scratching the surface on his potential. So he'll play some this year. I don't think you waste a year on him considering the depth that you have at safety because you feel like, you know, that between Fred Peters, Marcus Murphy, and those guys, you ought to be able to kind of piece it together a little bit. But J.P. will play some. I don't think there's any question he'll play some. Nick Penley's a guy that was in a red jersey last week. Got a little nicked up in a scrimmage. But, uh, yeah, Marcus Johnson mentioned him. And um, they kind of have him earmarked as a left guard playing next to Charles Cross uh, for the future. And one of the things that I love to hear about, especially from defensive players, is when young offensive linemen are out there, you know, willing to fight a little bit. And that's what I've heard about Nick Penley. I've had a couple guys tell me, I won't mention their names, that uh, Nick has got a little nastiness about him, that he's not your typical freshman He's not intimidated. He will get in there and fight with you. And so when you begin to think about him playing next to Charles Cross, and then all of a sudden you hear Marcus Johnson talk about, you know what, I feel really good about the future of Mississippi State football with those guys on that left side. Uh, that's big. That's really, really big. And people forget Nick Penley turned down, uh, I guess it was USC and had Florida and Florida State and some other schools came in late, but he just felt that Mississippi State was the way to go. He felt comfortable here. He's a kid out of Canton, Georgia, and he just kind of felt at home in Mississippi State. And Marcus Johnson did a great job recruiting him, a really, really good job recruiting him. And uh, now he's here, and you begin to look at the – we talk about the depth in the offensive line and how we shouldn't miss a beat after last year, despite the fact that Deion Calhoun and Elton Jenkins have moved on. Now you're, you're, you've reloaded the pipeline. You've got guys so you begin to think about next year, and you're like, okay, well, we're going to lose this guy and this guy. But the way that Mississippi State has recruited offensive linemen the last few years and the way that we're developing them, it's not the urgent situation that it used to be. And so you think about if you're able to redshirt LaQuinston Sharp and you've got Cole Smith that will be available and you've got Nick Penley at left guard and you've got Charles Cross Greg Island will be back next year. You know you, you begin to kind of put these things together and you think, okay, we ought to be able to sustain this for a little while. And, and last year's recruiting class on the offensive line was a, a big step in that direction. Uh, Lee Witherspoon talked to Terry Richardson about him last Saturday and uh, wrote that feature. You can go find it on jeanspage.com too a few days ago. But uh, you know he says Lee Witherspoon has surprised him in some respects. They knew that he was explosive. They didn't know that he knew as much about football as he does. He only played running back for one year high school. He was a receiver and made the move to running back last year to kind of fill a team need. And then what does he do? He goes and sets the Alabama single-season touchdown record. Incredible year. And so they get him in here, and uh, Nick Gibson has shared with me too that it, it is routine for at least once a practice for Lee to break off a long run. So he has the, the, the foot speed to really run away from people and people, you know, think about the speed in this secondary with Brian Cole and Jaquarius Landrews. And Weatherspoon is able to get into the open field. Now, learning to play without the football, the mental part of it is getting there, but, you know, you've got to have the mass to go along with it because there's going to be some linebackers and free safeties that are going to come free. And we're going to expect the running back to step up and, and, uh, and pass pro there and, and make a block. And we don't have Eris Williams to do it for us anymore. That's one of the things that was kind of an maybe an unappreciated, underappreciated skill of Avaris uh, of Williams is that uh, he was an incredible pass protector. He was a great guy picking the blitz pickup. Uh, so that's where Lee, you know, that'll be one of those things because they'll just run through him. You know, he, he's a guy that's got to get bigger and stronger. So he's going to play some this year. How much he plays probably depends on what happens with Kareem Walker. And we'll, I guess we'll go ahead and talk about Kareem. You know, I mentioned a Wednesday show. Kareem says that uh, he is finalizing his final class, but it will be next week before he finishes, and he hopes to be here uh, next weekend. Now, that's him talking. You know, I haven't heard that officially from anybody. We will ask Joe Moorhead on Saturday for an update, and I'm sure it will be much, probably more of the same. Is that? hey, he's still working through some things. He tells me, uh, Walker does, that he is working through one final class that he was one class short of enrollment, and he is taking that class and has been taking it for a few weeks now. Now, to be 100% honest with you guys, Kareem Walker hadn't always been the best source of information when it comes to his ability to qualify. And again, I'm not being negative about Kareem because he, he was very good. You know, Once I reached out to him and interviewed him, and, and as soon as he visited Mississippi State, as soon as he got the offer, since he committed I've interviewed him probably half a dozen times uh, so he's been very forthright and all that and he says that he made some mistakes at Michigan and you uh, probably didn't appreciate things as much until we got to Fort Scott and now he's ready to get going again but uh, this has been a very very long and drawn out process and uh, some of that is of his doing okay and so the bottom line is it is still a pending matter if he clears and comes in I don't see how he is ready to play uh, right away. But he's already exercised his redshirt year, so he will have to play at some point. There is no getting that back. So at some point, he'll have to make a contribution. And maybe it's late in ball games or whatever. Uh, but be that as it may, he is a guy that, uh, if, if and when he does arrive, could probably change a few things and probably allow you to preserve Lee Witherspoon's red Because you could probably play Lee early in the season a couple ball games while Kareem Walker gets up to speed. Uh, Keziah Pruitt, don't expect to see much from him this year. You know, he, he, he's had that yellow jersey on and off a few times. Uh, you know that's the uh, limited contact jersey. He's good for a day, not for a day and that's one of the things that kind of lingered last year is you know he had a foot injury had a broken foot he tried to play through it not realizing it was a broken foot and then you know, finally got back up to speed late when he healed but that's one of those things that um, you know a lot of these guys you know they're a little bit especially as seniors. They just want to play through the pain. And I think that probably delayed him a little bit, you know, and uh, Tyrone Shorter and his staff jumped right on it as soon as they realized it and, and you know, removed him from competition. But uh, I think there is probably still some lingering issues there. I think that's because I was a little bit injury-prone in high school, uh, and so hopefully those days are behind him. Hopefully some time in the strength and condition program will, will make a difference. We mentioned uh, Martin Emerson earlier. Uh great length great work ethic and uh he is a guy that i think has a bright future and it's one of those things people were talking about you know when we we committed him so early people forget mississippi state was martin emerson's first offer we were his very first offer then he ends up having a ton of offers miami and other people everybody was all over in florida state and others um i don't know that florida state ever pulled the trigger on an on official committable offer But State and Terrell Buckley were kind of on the Martin Emerson bandwagon before anybody else. And now that we've seen him in practice, I absolutely get it. It makes absolute perfect sense to me. He is a very long and athletic defensive back. We talked about him playing safety. He's going to play corner. Buckley wins that argument. And you begin to think about he and Jerry and Jones playing together and kind of growing up together. Uh, That's exciting. Jack Harris is a guy that has done some good things in practice, I'll tell you. And, and uh, they talk about him being, you know, some people say, well, maybe he's a linebacker, maybe he's a D-end. No, he's a D-end. And you can see how he works and drills, that uh, that's where he's comfortable. He really wants to be a part of that. Uh, again, I think he's probably a four-game guy because I think you've got enough depth of defensive end this year. But I think he's a four-game guy this year. He'll see the field some. But uh, I don't expect him to play beyond that. But, um I've been pretty pleased with what I've seen from him. He he has a ferocity and practice that I don't know that a lot of freshmen have. And I, I don't mean just out there, you know, yelling and that sort of stuff. That that's not him. But when it's his rep, he he goes all out. You know, like he a lot of those guys don't know what going hard is. I think Jack has a better idea about that than a lot of the young newcomers that come into the program. You can tell he is a guy that kind of knows how to work. And, listen, a lot of that, you got to give his high school coaches a lot of credit for that, too. You know, a lot of guys are getting by on athleticism, but you can tell Jack is a guy that's kind of come from a structured program. You can tell that he's a guy that's been well coached. And um, I, I like him. I really do. And uh, I think he has an opportunity to you know to, to be a player for Mississippi State in time. But, again, this year, probably a four-game guy. Now, Dylan Lawrence, it's still so weird to see him out there with his length playing a corner. He's already put on some weight. Uh, it's just one of those things that uh, at 6'4 and a half, I haven't seen a lot of corners that are quick twitch enough to play that position at that length. Because a lot of times guys that long have some stiffness with them and just kind of goes with the frame. But Dylan is a little more mobile. I still think that he is a guy that probably outgrows the position, but they're working on him out there. And, listen, hey, if he stays out there, great. I don't know that anybody's gonna be able to to, uh, to overthrow him. You know, I, I don't I, with his catch radius. I don't know how, how you ever drop a ball in there against him on the fade. I mean, it's just. But he's an incredible athlete, and uh, he was the last scholarship in the class. And you begin to look at this and you think, okay, this is a guy that could play a number of positions, and that's one of the things I think that probably took state the longest to kind of to kind of settle on is where does he project. Is he a wide receiver? Well, they didn't throw it a whole lot. He caught a few balls, but that really wasn't his thing. I think ideally when you first see him and you see how long he is, that's your first impulse is this guy's a receiver. And maybe he ends up at receiver. You know, I, I think that's probably what I would do initially, but after talking to his head coach, you know, shortly after he uh, started getting real serious about Mississippi State, uh, you know, coach said, hey, you know, he's got a defensive player's mentality. You know, he, he likes the physicality of playing defense. He would rather hit than be hit. Uh, so he is intriguing. Very, very intriguing prospect. And a lot of people have asked me, you know, Steve, how has he looked in practice? And he's looked good. I mean, you know, again, as good as far as freshmen go, I don't think that he has had maybe the explosive plays that Jerry and Jones and Martin Emerson have. Uh, but I also think, too, that that maybe because of the fact that he's moved around a little bit, that, uh, you know, he's a little bit behind them but he has the athleticism i think to kind of catch up and so when you begin to think about again that secondary and its totality you begin to think okay again this is sustainable you're recruiting at a high enough level that when you do have players leave you're not going to have that big valley you know you may not have that huge peak but you'll have some consistency from a talent level standpoint at the position. And I think that's kind of where we are right now, pretty much across the board on defense. Same for the offensive line. You know, running back recruiting has been a bit of an adventure the last couple years, but, uh, you know, Mississippi State, I believe, is recruiting at such a level, and there just appears to be a solid plan in place to address needs. You know, last year I think we were a little bit behind the curve when it came to recruiting junior college defensive linemen because as great as the, the Juco defensive line class is for us this year, we probably needed a couple of those guys last year to be able to play this year. Outside of that, I think we're addressing the needs really well. Uh, Brevin Jones is a young offensive lineman that, uh, you know, has looked decent in practice. But, you know, he's a guy, too, I I don't know that we see much from him uh, this year. Probably playing his four games. He's another guy, too, that probably end up being an interior lineman. He has the – the wingspan. I guess he might could play right tackle, but when you begin to look at this group, this offensive line group, uh, you know, you've got Cross, you've got Penley, you've got Jones, you've got Sharp, uh, and then you, you begin to think about you bring Cole Smith. Then that that's really five guys there that you've added to the mix that will all compete for a spot on two deep next year. Every single one of them. And I think when you begin to kind of look at all of that, you know, take a step back and begin to look at what Marcus Johnson's doing and look at how well we're recruiting offensive linemen this year, uh, I I think I feel really strong about the decision to go get a guy like Brevin Jones because of the fact that he comes from a great high school program. He is a guy that uh, really kind of blossomed late, you know, kind of grew into his frame a little bit later. And his best footballs ahead of him, uh, but you know again, not a guy that we expect to play this year, but certainly a guy we expect to have a big uh, career at some point. You know, probably a guy that will compete over the course of the next two years. And and listen, it's as talented as Charles Cross is. You know, it's it's rare to have a true freshman show up and start at left tackle. And I know the, the first thing everybody mentions is, oh well. Look at a successful misses had, and that's true. Michael Orr, Laramie Tunsell, that they've had some guys do really well uh, at left tackle position. The difference is, your cross has as good a feat and dexterity as those guys, but he's a little leaner. You know, he's got to get a little bit thicker, and I think you know, to, to kind of withstand, you know, the rigors of offensive line play in the Southeastern Conference, he's just got to get a little thicker, a little bigger, a little stronger. But he's going to be fine. I get really excited about him. Marcus Johnson says that uh, there are even some guys within the offensive line room that that will admit there are some things that he can do that they can't. And so when you begin to think a year in the weight room, he gets bigger, faster, stronger. With his natural ability, he's got a chance to probably take over that left tackle spot next year and probably hold it for three or four years. Because he might be gone as a redshirt junior. And Tyree Phillips, of course, is a senior this year. And so if Cross will play some this year, and then all of a sudden he becomes your starter next year, I, I think you feel uh, even better about that. And you got got a dollar bill that could be on the right side. And so that's the thing that we're beginning to see. Then offensive line recruiting has, had been an adventure uh, under John Havisey and Dan Mullen. But I believe now when you look at the, the steps that Marcus Johnson and Joe Moorhead have taken and are taking, offensive line recruiting has hit a different level. And it all starts up front. This is a line of scrimmage league. And so if nothing else, I believe that is one of the best adjustments that we have seen from a recruiting standpoint for Mississippi State is the care and attention they're giving to offensive line recruiting and the numbers and the scholarships they're kind of allocating there to say, you know what, we're going to go out and get these guys. And they didn't panic. You remember last year, it had been very easy to just say, okay, well, we didn't get this guy, so we we got to have somebody. Let's go get this guy. But instead... They took their time. They get Nick Penley late, and they get Charles Charles Cross, and neither of those guys were probably even really on the radar in August. You know, we knew we were chasing Charles Cross, but he was committed to Florida State. But you understand my point is we're just a little more patient, and a little more relentless, and uh, giving relentless effort. That that sounds good, and it looks good on a business card and on a banner in the hallway. But if it doesn't, uh, you know, that doesn't carry over to recruiting. Then your effort. Uh, it's going to be a little bit diminished because the quality of your talent is not going to be there. So I hope that uh, that has given you guys some insight because, again, that is a very common question that I get on the radio and, and uh, on the message boards is, who are some of the young guys you expect to contribute? I think it will really boil down just a couple of guys, really, and that's going to depend on team needs uh, this year that that play more than their, their four games. But, uh, again, just about all of them will play this year. And, uh, but the, the best thing about them is the fact that we're going to have most of these kids, you know, for four years. That, that's a big part of this thing. And I think when we look back in hindsight, the 2019 signing class from Mississippi State, you're going to look back and say, you know what, State did it really, really well. There are a lot of people that say, well, you know, we had some of those headliners leave the state. And that's true. But I think the kids that we got to replace them are going to prove to be very capable college football players. Well, folks, that's it for today. Uh, over the course of the next week, we'll have a um, – We'll have a pre-sale option for you to buy Stark Villains, and uh, happy to say that uh, we're, we're, it's almost here. It's almost, yeah, almost time for you to hold it in your hands and read these great stories, and uh, I can't wait for you guys to get it. If you haven't done so, go to StarkVillains.com and go ahead and order yourself a Stark Villain shirt. Your kids want them. I can promise you they'll be the coolest kids in school. That maroon and white Stark Villain shirt. I prefer the black and white, but you go get that maroon and white. Bring some real attitude to Maroon Friday again at StarkVillains.com. And uh, just excited about that. Really, really excited for you guys to read these great stories. And there's so many things that I learned about our, our programs from talking to former coaches and players uh, that I never knew. It's some insight into some memorable moments at Mississippi State that I think it's your, you're going to be interested to read about. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.